guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Tuesday as we begin a brand new week. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I can be reached at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Drop me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. I love hearing from you guys. All right. We have so many fantastic guests coming up in the days and weeks ahead. On Thursday, here on this show, we're going to be joined by Brett Baer of Fox News with his amazing new book on George Washington and rescuing the Constitution. We're also going to get with him about what is going on in Washington, D.C., not just on the speaker's race, but on so many other things. There's a lot of drama, a lot of the drama is necessary drama. So we will talk to him about that. Also, next week, we're going to talk to Rand Paul. We've got Senator Ted Cruz lined up, Natasha Owens, Bill O'Reilly. So many fantastic guests coming up and big, big shows lined up for you. So make sure you tell everybody you know about the Monica Crowley podcast so nobody has FOMO. Uh, Later today, speaking of the drama on the Hill, we're going to talk to our friend Congressman Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin. He's going to join us with uh, his move. He has introduced legislation to stop the transfer of a million plus Gazans, Palestinians, and others out of the conflict into America, which is what AOC and the Biden administration want They want to transfer a million people. This is on top of the 10 million plus who have come into the country illegally since Joe Biden became president. They want another million plus from a terrorist hotbed coming into America. They want to resettle them in red states and swing states, get them on a path to citizenship and get you paying for their entire lives. Well, Tom Tiffany is actually introducing legislation in order to try to stop it. We will talk to him about that and all of the drama around the speaker's race. So you're not going to want to miss a second of today's show. First up, though, the Monica Memo. Joe Biden is hands down the most corrupt president we have ever had. And now, hands down, he is the weakest president we have ever had. And we know the lessons of history, which is whenever America, and remember, the American president is the embodiment of the country. We talked about this last week about how from the moment George Washington became president, known as the father of our country, the American president has had a paternal role Paternal, not just in taking care of the country, the Constitution, and the American people, but as the chief disciplinarian. That's what father of the country is. A good father will discipline their children, set boundaries, and be a hard ass now and again because he has to. Otherwise, the children run wild and bad things happen. So the father of our country, the American president, he is the symbol of that. And like any good father who has to institute uh, discipline, and sometimes a strong hand is required, not just for your own people, 
But for the world, if you are leader of the free world, sometimes you have to be very tough. That is the subject of my most recent Newsweek column, which was published yesterday, Monday, October 23rd. It was at the top of the Newsweek website all day long, did extremely well. So I'm very proud about that. Got huge traction. I have posted it on my Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore. I've also posted it on Twitter and on True Social. So please go check it out. And you can access it from my uh, social media accounts. Also, if you go to newsweek.com, you can access it there. My point in this is that the world needs President Trump more than ever. And the reason is because when you have a strong American president like Trump, you have greater global stability, you have relative peace. I mean, human nature being what it is, you're never going to get full peace, but you get relative peace. And when you have relative peace and stability, that gives the world room for greater prosperity. You can't have prosperity if you're in an endless cycle of conflict, violent mayhem, and war. Because all of nation's money, your money, is going into a war effort, into increased military, increased police forces, everything to try to just keep some semblance of balance. But when you have relative peace and stability in in the country and in the world, it gives you room for prosperity. This is what we had under President Trump for four years. Why? Because you had a strong American president. So our enemies did not even think, well, maybe they thought about it, but they did not act. You had skirmishes here and there, but our major adversaries from China to Russia to Iran, North Korea, They did not raise a finger against the United States and our interests because they knew that Donald Trump meant business. They knew that when he warned them, and as he said, he got right up in Putin's grill, right up in the Chinese's grill, and he was like, don't even think about it, because if you do, I will destroy you. And they knew that he meant it. This is the madman theory. I was on Steve Bannon's war room yesterday, and I was talking about this. Everybody needs a reminder every now and again of the madman theory and the beauty and the power of having an American president who does the madman theory really freaking well. Richard Nixon did the madman theory very well. Ronald Reagan did it very well. Donald Trump was the best of them all. What is the madman theory? Well, and, and I actually studied this when I was in graduate school at Columbia. It's a real thing. It's not just Monica making something up. This is an, a real thing in international relations theory. The madman theory is that you want a leader who projects just enough insanity, just enough craziness, just enough unstableness, is that even a word, unstableness in his or her personality, that it conveys that to your enemies around the world. Because what you want is them thinking that you just might be crazy enough to nuke them. 
That doesn't mean the leader himself or herself is actually crazy. To the contrary, it takes a very sane and stable person to do the madman theory very well. You want to keep your enemies off balance. You want them to think, gosh, I thought I knew what the United States would do, but under this guy, I have no idea. I don't know what they will do. I don't know what they won't do. I have no idea, so I better not act. It's a very powerful approach, and the best, strongest American leaders understood it and acted on it and did it really, really well. But like I said, Donald Trump, best of them all. So I wrote about this in Newsweek yesterday. Again, go please check it out. It's all over my social media and it's up at uh, newsweek.com. Well, the exact opposite of strength and a good exercise of the madman theory is what we have now, which is a corrupt, demented hack who is deliberately selling out the country. What you are going through right now is Obama 3.0, This is Barack and Michelle Obama and the entire Obama crew. This is their third term. Remember when Obama used to joke, well, my ideal is, you know, I really kind of hate giving speeches and having to get dressed up every day and uh, everything that the presidency requires. So optimally, it would be great if I could have like a front man and I'd be behind the scenes like doing the policy and feeding him the lines and everything. He quote unquote joked about that uh, while he was still president or immediately after. I forget when it was, but you can go look up that clip because he did say it. And then at the end, he was like, ha ha ha, I'm just kidding. Well, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding. Uh, Obama has very little sense of humor, like most leftists, very little sense of humor. So no, he wasn't kidding. And they found it in Joe Biden, this malleable puppet who was already, you know, basically out to lunch when he was running in 2019 and 2020. And they set up the entire thing. The Obamas made a phone call to James Clyburn because remember, Biden was losing. He lost Iowa. I think he lost New Hampshire. He was losing. And they were like, holy crap, we cannot allow him to lose because we can't have anybody else. We won't be able to control anybody else like we can control Joe Biden, who had been in the Obama administration as VP. So they made a call. James Clyburn, uh, before the South Carolina primary, endorsed him. And boom, the tide turns. He becomes the nominee. And then, of course, they rigged the election. So we end up with the consequences of a rigged election, which are all around us. Horrendous economy with relentless inflation, sky-high gas prices, record consumer debt. Do you know that Bloomberg yesterday reported that it is now uh, the worst time to try to buy a house, which is the American dream? It is now 52% more expensive to buy a house than rent. Another part of the American dream, mobility, a car. Do you know that, again, according to Bloomberg, that people are falling further behind on their car payments than ever before. It's now a record. People cannot afford their cars. They cannot afford to buy homes. They can't afford to go to the grocery store and buy eggs. They can't afford to fill up their cars. I just paid about $450 uh, in New York State 
to, to fill up my tank, $4.50. And I know there are other parts of the country. If you're in California listening, I know your pain is worse. You're paying what, $6.50, 7 bucks a gallon? All of this is by design. This is all to squeeze you in order to break you. This is about the deliberate torpedoing of the U.S. economy. But everything, guys, is a deliberate torpedoing. The wide open border. Why, why do you think the city's in collapse? The, the radical DAs allowing criminals uh, out on the streets. Why do you think there has been no change in policy? It's because this is all deliberate. Well, now it's starting to show up in Joe Biden's polls. Uh, we have about... Well, now all of this wreckage is starting to show up in Biden's polls. Uh, Recent polling shows him in the 30s in terms of job approval. Uh, Others might have him a little bit higher, but he is certainly like hovering in the mid 30s, upper 30s, low 40s in terms of job approval. Not good. And worse for him, almost 70% say the country is heading in the wrong direction. Chaos everywhere, the world aflame. We're going to get to all of this here in a second. But while the world is aflame and we are on the brink of World War II, what did Joe Biden do this weekend? Went to the beach. Went to that Rehoboth beach house, which he paid for once he got millions of dollars transferred in literally within, what, 24 hours from Hunter pressing his Chinese business partners for a transfer of $10 million. So he threatens his Chinese business partners for the transfer of $10 million. The money eventually comes in, and within the space of a day or two, Joe and Dr. Jill are buying that Rehoboth beach house for about $2 million. The corruption with these people runs so deep, and it's been going on for so long. And now, you know, he's out there with the whole country and the world falling apart. People are dying as a result of his weakness, and he chooses to go to the beach. A beautiful fall weekend in Rehoboth Beach. Let's go out to the beach house, which we bought with ill-gotten gains from America's main enemy. Even 50 Cent or Fitty. Um, He has now come out very outspoken against Joe Biden and what is going on. And he deserves props for that. Very difficult for, he's an African-American, very famous. He's a celebrity, very rich. He knows that there are going to be consequences for him stepping out against Democrats and Biden, but he is doing it. So big props to him. He put out on his Instagram this weekend with a picture of Joe Biden reclining on the beach. By the way, I tweeted this as well, like brink of World War III, Biden, colon, with the picture of him lounging on the beach. Uh, Fiddy put it out also out, that same picture, and he wrote, quote, Hey, Joe, get the F up. We in trouble, man. And he linked it to an article, Biden hits the beach with Middle East Congress in chaos. He could care less. Could care less about you. And frankly, the uni party could care less about you. Today, we've got another speaker's vote. Um, We may have a speaker by the time you hear the show later today. We're going to, in a moment, talk to Congressman Tom Tiffany uh, about the speaker's race and everything else. But, you know, the uni party, the people who torpedoed Jim Jordan 
for speaker. I'm talking about Republicans, who again are worse than the Democrats. Democrats are out to destroy the country and the Constitution and capitalism, but at least they tell you that. The weaselly Republicans who are all like, oh, give me your vote and your money because I'm all about limited government and America first. Bull. Bull. With a few exceptions, they're all liars. They're all there for themselves and not for you and not for the country. And the speaker's race puts it into bold relief. Well, now we've got, what, nine Republicans running for speaker this time. Uh, my choice is Byron Donalds. He is incredible. Uh, America First has Trump, uh, you know, alongside him. Uh, he's just, he's been on this show. He is a friend. He is just amazing and will be a true America First leader, which is why they're probably going to torpedo him and go with this absolute um, uh, uni party hack, Tom Emmer. Uh, he voted to certify the 2020 election. Out of the nine Republicans running, uh, seven of the nine voted to decertify the 2020 election. Um, but Hemmer voted to certify, and he's got George Soros links. I mean, this guy is really bad, which is, of course, why the Uni Party Republicans are going to try to shove him down our throats. I hope I'm wrong. But if Emmer gets in, it's worse than McCarthy. And I wouldn't put past the uniparty Republicans who are such scumbags in working with the Democrats so that if they nominate Emmer and it goes to the floor, you get a handful of like, you know, centrist Democrats voting for him to get him in. I wouldn't put it past them. So, I mean, the, this could end up a lot worse. And I give Matt Gates total props. Uh, he is going to be on this show. He's had his hands full the last couple of weeks, as you can imagine. But the point is, you need disruption. And sometimes, guys, I mean, if we end up with Emmer, there are going to be a lot of recriminations against Matt Gates. I am telling you that in order to disrupt this corrupt system, you have to go two steps forward and sometimes one step back. Look, the left has understood this for decades in trying to destroy the country. Well, sometimes you need one step back. So you get Ronald Reagan for eight years or you get George W. Bush, who's, you know, uni party nightmare as well. And then, you know, Donald Trump, because they, they weren't paying quite enough attention in 2016 and he got in. So they understand that sometimes you need to slide back a little bit. But as long as overall your trajectory is moving upwards and advancing your agenda, well, they understand that. Of course, they would love perpetual power, but they understand that's not really the way the world works. And also, they don't want the American people cottoning to them. They don't want the American people getting on to, you know, their strategy and what they're doing. So better sometimes to allow Republicans to win now and again. And yes, I do mean allow. They allow it to happen, to make it look like, oh, we've got a healthy democracy. But again, they never take their eyes off the prize. Two steps forward, one step back is acceptable to them. Now they're galloping ahead. They've accelerated their agenda. So now it's more like three or five steps ahead, one step back. Matt Gates and, and the other real America First disruptors, they understand that too. 
So in order to advance here and expose the rot, the uniparty nightmares in our own party, Matt Gates understands maybe two steps forward, one step back. Remove McCarthy, kick over the rock and see all of the roaches and earthworms under there. He has accomplished that. So if we end up with, God forbid, Tom Emmer, well, that's, that's one step back. And it's a serious one, okay? But we will have the opportunity to go again. And remember, the motion to vacate is still there. One member, like Matt Gates, can boom, call a vote, like he did with McCarthy. You, in order to go through this kind of disruption to save the country, sometimes there will be some backsliding. And we may have to experience it here. So we shall see on that. But understand, like if you don't care who the speaker is, understand that that speaker's race, that fight is a proxy battle between the toxic uni party and us. Gates understands that, which is why they're all over him like white on rice. Now, the enemy is within I tweeted that the other day. It went sort of viral. Actually, multiple enemies are within. The enemy, including Hamas, is here. It's now. Because over many years, but certainly under the three years of Joe Biden, we have allowed the biggest Trojan horse to enter our country, maybe in the history of the world. And it's not just us. It is the West. Under this whole guise, you know, Angela Merkel, when she was a German chancellor, you know, she, she surveyed Germany and the West and she was like, well, you know, our birth rates are really down low and our, our workforce is shrinking. So if we want to stay in industrial power, we're going to have to bring in the workforce uh, from abroad. So she dubbed it multiculturalism. Diversity is our strength, all of that BS, and threw open the doors of the EU to all kinds of people from radicalized countries across the Middle East, North Africa, Central and Southern Africa, uh, and beyond. People from radical Islamist countries and very poor countries to flood the West for cheap labor. And again, they dressed it up as, oh, ain't diversity grand Of course, we did a lot of that here as well. And both parties, the uniparty nightmare, allowed it to happen. On the Republican side, it was all about that chamber of commerce, like, oh, you know, we do need cheap labor, so let's let's get it here. And we have to replace our population because our population isn't really growing. So in order to keep America's strength, we've got to bring in these people from abroad. And, of course, the Democrats always wanted to just flood the zone, get these people on a track to citizenship, get them voting, voting Democrat, and lock in a permanent Democrat voting majority. So the two opposite uh, reasons for it, but, you know, same policy end, which is flood the country with illegals. We have heard for, I don't know, 20-plus years that the number of illegals in the country was like 11 million 12 million. Remember that? Well, that number has been steady since since 20 years ago. Maybe more. Oh, well, we've got 11 million illegals in the country, so, you know, it's it's manageable, but it is an issue nonsense. That that number has never changed in the last 20 years. Come on. 
just in the last three years of Joe Biden, we've seen 8 million with 2 million gotaways, so 10 million illegals in the country. That's a lowball estimate. Probably more like 12, 15 million just in the last three years. So we're talking about in America, I don't know, 40, 50 million illegal immigrants over the years. It is unbelievable. And among those tens of millions of illegals, of course, we have terrorists. And they're coming in not just from the southern border, but the northern border as well. Customs and Border Patrol for fiscal year 2023. The southwest border with Mexico saw 172 encounters with suspected terrorists, which is up 72% from the 98 encounters last year. But wait, there's more because I mentioned the northern border. We have one of those too, and that is also wide open. The northern border with Canada saw 484 encounters with suspected terrorists. That is an increase of 54% from last year with 313 encounters of all nationalities. Okay. 2023 broke the record for encounters on the FBI terrorist watch list. That is a higher number than the previous six years combined. Under President Trump, again, madman theory. Under Trump, for four years, we only had 11 suspected terrorists on the watch list encounter Border Patrol. 11. Now we have upwards of, I don't know, 400, 450, 500. Again, these are lowball estimates because we really have no idea. So about 2 million known gotaways. And again, uh, these are people who, you know, that this is the official number. God knows how many. There are terrorist sleeper cells in the United States just waiting for the green light. And then on top of this, we have all of these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protests taking place all around the country, all around the world. And you will recall just two days after the attack on Israel by Iran supporting Hamas, it was reported that the Biden administration has lost track of millions of illegals who've lost the border. We don't know. We don't know. You'll also recall after the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, Biden ordered this airlift out of Afghanistan, thousands and thousands of people into this country completely unvetted, State Department, Pentagon, months later, they admitted that, yeah, we had no idea who was coming in the country. So again, I say, when we get the inevitable series of terrorist attacks with, God forbid, Americans killed dead in the street, like on 9-11, the blood will be on Joe Biden's hands. The blood will be on Alejandro Mayorkas's hands. The blood will be on the hands of everybody in this administration that facilitated the wide open border. Final thought about this. The head of the snake on terrorism is, of course, Iran. Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terror since the Iranian uh, theocratic regime came into power in 1979. They have channeled God knows how much money into supporting uh, Islamic terror in the Middle East, the region, and around the world. You will also recall a couple of years ago, 
that there was an Iranian plot to take out a Saudi diplomat on the streets of Washington, D.C., in Georgetown. So if you're in Washington listening to the show and you're going to a nice restaurant like Cafe Milano or whatever, well, just know that there are Iranian operatives seeking to take out people in the streets of your city and God knows how many other cities across America. Our government has been completely infiltrated by all of our enemies, including Iran. I want you to listen to Senator Ted Cruz was on with Maria Bartiromo yesterday, and he was talking about, this is a story I brought to you, I think it was last week. So go back and listen to it. But Joe Biden actually hired the guy to lead the U.S.-Iranian conversation about the nuclear program. This guy, Robert Malley, was Obama's point man on the Iran nuclear deal. He is an alleged spy for Iran. The FBI is investigating him now for mishandling classified material. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who exactly he might have been allegedly passing that classified material to. Obviously, the Iranian regime. So they suspended Mali without pay while they're conducting this investigation. Here is Ted Cruz talking about him and a number of Iranian spies working at very high levels in the U.S. government. Roll it. Well, and, and, and what you just mentioned with Rob Malley remains one of the greatest national security scandals in our nation's history. So Rob Malley was, was Joe Biden's chief negotiator for Iran. He's an incredible Iran sympathizer. He is an advocate, a passionate advocate for the disastrous Obama-Iran nuclear deal. But he also has extraordinarily bad judgment. He's been fired. He's had his security clearances stripped, which I want you to pause and think just how bad does his conduct have to be to have his security clearances pulled by this ideological and radical White House. But we now know also that, among other things, three of Rob Malley's top advisors, his his inner circle that he relied on, were Iranian operatives. They were recruited by the government of Iran. They were directed by the Iranian foreign minister. They reported to the Iranian foreign minister. We have their emails now in which they discuss. One of them discusses with the foreign minister that that his loyalties are with the government of Iran and he is there to do whatever they direct, including making the message from within the federal government that, that, that there's nothing wrong with Iran having a nuclear stockpile. You literally had three Iranian spies working in senior positions directly around the U.S. government. One of them, as far as we know, remains a chief of staff in the Department of Defense to this day with access to classified documents. And yet the corporate media cannot be brought to mention that three Iranian spies were brought into senior levels of government with access to classified materials while working directly for Iran. Ah, so we've got Iranian spies at very high levels with security clearance and access to classified material. Doesn't that make you feel really great? Iran is all over our government. And of course, the propaganda press has memory hold all of it about the Iranian spies in the Biden regime because the regime is compromised as well. So good for Senator Cruz for keeping it on the front burner. Remember, 
Obama-Biden transferred billions in cash. Remember the billions on, I think it was $1.3 billion on wooden pallets flown directly to Tehran? That came after Obama and Biden transferred $400 million. So we're looking at $2 billion, and God knows how much money was actually transferred to Tehran. Oh, in exchange for American prisoners, give me a break. This was them wanting the nuclear deal. This is them wanting Iran to have a nuclear weapon. There's no other explanation for this. You also, guys, you know that the Chinese, the CCP, have infiltrated our government for a very long time. The Chinese are all over our government. You'll also recall that the late Senator Dianne Feinstein had a Chinese spy as her driver for years, something like 20 years, Chinese spy. Eric Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy. You may also recall that Nancy Pelosi and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, very high-ranking Democrats, had the son of the Pakistani intelligence director as their IT guy for the Democratic members' computers and the House Democrat IT network. The initials of that guy's side hustle, his used car business, which was probably a money laundering operation for what he was really doing, which was passing U.S. intelligence secrets to the Pakistanis. But his side hustle was a used car business, and the initials of that business were CIA. Wish I were kidding, but I'm not. The Democrats, you honestly, you have to ask yourself, whose side are they on? They're deliberately destroying the United States. They want America's enemies to win in the end. Is that treason? Looks to me like textbook definition of treason. All right, we're going to hit a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about all of this and more with Congressman Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin. Sit tight. Okay, guys, welcome back. I'm so happy to have with us today our friend, Congressman Tom Tiffany of the great state of Wisconsin. You can follow him on Twitter at RepTiffany and at TomTiffanyWI. For Wisconsin. Welcome back, Congressman. It's good to join you again, Monica. Well, it's always nice to talk with you. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, we are going to get to this speaker's race in just a moment because it's never-ending drama. But I do want to start with the national security threat posed by the wide-open border. It's been wide open since the day Joe Biden became uh, president, January of 2021. Uh, 172 suspected terrorists were caught trying to get into the country just in this past year. And those, of course, are the ones that we know about. What are you hearing on Capitol Hill about the terrorist threat here in America? Well, I think we got news over the weekend, Monica, that uh, there are people who may be associated, potential terrorists, with Hamas and Hezbollah that were crossing, I think, at the San Diego sector. So we heard about that this weekend, and it's no surprise. So it it continues apace, and you have an administration that turns a blind eye to it. In fact, 
they're facilitating it at this point. I mean, you have the largest human trafficking operation in the history of the world that's been going on for a little over two years. And uh, for some reason, they don't care about the safety and security of Americans. Do you think that there are sleeper cells, Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, other kinds of, of terrorist organizations? Do you think they're represented in this country right now? Yeah, I can't answer that with certainty. But you think about it, Monica, uh, has the death to America message, has it abated in the Middle East and some of those countries there? I would say the answer is no. Uh, when we look at the acts of terror that have happened on our military bases over the last 20 to 30 years, what happened at the World Trade Center, the original um, uh, bombing that happened in the mid-90s. And then, of course, you have 9-11. Have things abated since then? I would say no. And plus, you have foreign actors uh, like our adversaries that see this weakness of the Biden administration and hence America. Uh, why would we think that they're not taking advantage of that? Well, of course. Yeah, of co- I mean, and, and actually all of America's enemies would be remiss if they did not take advantage of the wide open border and an incredibly weak, compromised American president. They'd be remiss in advancing their own interests not to take advantage of that. So, you know, we, we're getting these numbers, official numbers, 8 million uh, illegal immigrants cross the southern border, 2 million known gotaways, and of course, those are lowball estimates. So we have no idea how many there are, how many suspected, real suspected terrorists are in the country and where they are. The uh, Congressman, the Afghanistan airlift to America after Biden's catastrophic exit uh, from that country brought in thousands of unvetted Afghans and others. And now the administration and the Hamas caucus in the House, they're all chattering about bringing in a million plus from Gaza. I don't think so. I know that you have been all over this subject. I know you are starting to take action. Can you tell us what you're trying to do to stop a million plus Gazans and others from coming into America out of this conflict? Yes. So within 24 hours after the horrific events in Israel, uh, we began drafting a bill which we titled the Gaza Act. In other words, zero admissions for anyone that has a Palestinian Authority uh, uh, passport that uh, they cannot be allowed in the United States, whether the administration wants to do that via a visa process or whether they want to use the parole authority, immigration parole, which they have used. Uh, and the reason I did that was to be preemptive, Monica. We saw what happened in Afghanistan. I went to uh, Fort McCoy, the base in Wisconsin, back in August of 2021, and I asked the commanding officer, have these people been fully vetted? Did they go through the special immigrant visa process? And the answer was very simple. It was no. So virtually none of the Afghans that came in, the greatest hotbed for terrorism in the world, 
And the Biden administration does not vet them. In fact, the State Department later said that, well, we just had to get them on the plane and get them out of there. It was just too urgent. So I wanted to be preemptive with the Gaza Act and say that, hold it, we're going to raise the level of the we're, we're going to raise the profile on this issue so that we're going to make it as difficult as possible for the Biden administration to do what they reflexively want to do, which is just pump more people, regardless of who they are into America without vetting them. You know, you mentioned the State Department. They did issue a report. You're exactly right about this. Uh, you know, months and months after the Afghan airlift, but so did the Pentagon. And the Pentagon also admitted, yeah, we had no idea who we were uh, putting on the planes and bringing into the country. It is completely outrageous. And that's why we so appreciate what you're trying to do here to, to head this thing off at the pass, because we know what the administration and the Hamas caucus would like to do, which is take a million plus Gazans and God knows who out of this conflict and bring them into America, of course, but they number one want to settle them in red states and swing states like your state of Wisconsin, because they've already tried to do that, right? With with all of these others who are coming across the border. What kind of support um, I know you've got a co-sponsor with our friend Andy Ogles, who was just on this program. Um, do you have any other kind of uh, groundswell of support in the House? And what are you hearing about what you're trying to do in the Senate? Yeah, we're getting more support as we go along. But we've had a number of senators, including Senator Daines, reach out to us in regards to this bill. And they are acting on it. In fact, what we're seeing from, I think it was Senator Rubio, um, is that he's actually looking at going further. And he's saying anyone with a Palestinian Authority um, visa that's in the country, that it shall be rescinded. Our bill did not go that far. So there is great interest in this. But I could also point out, Monica, think about it. Um, uh, the neighbors in the Middle East, like Egypt and Jordan, they said last week, this is a red line for us. We will not allow Palestinians into our country. So if their neighbors will not accept them, why in the world would we do that? And it was very interesting. I saw an article in Der Spiegel, um, the, the German publication, where the, I believe it's the chancellor of Germany, where he said, we may have to do deportations at some point. Hopefully, at some point, the Western world, including America, wakes up to the fact that you cannot um, continue to import terror and that you have to have a process of assimilation for people that want to come to these countries, in particular to America, because otherwise, are we committing cultural suicide? Well, that's exactly what we're doing, and we see it all across the West, and this has been going on for decades. You know, the Europeans, Angela Merkel, started talking about multiculturalism, which was just a euphemism for bringing in all of these people from the Middle East, from Africa, from other poor regions, and, and they said, and radicalized regions, and they said, well, we're doing it for cheap labor, our populations are not replacing itself, so we've got to bring in others if we want our, our economy to, to continue to, to move forward. Uh, all of these arguments were nonsense. And what we have now seen here and in the West is that this is the biggest Trojan horse in the history of the world. We have invited in the enemy and now the enemy is here. Um, 
you know, obviously, if this were, if your act were to pass the House, pass the Senate, it would go to the president. He would obviously veto this. Um, but at least you are pressing the issue. You are raising awareness so the American people know what's going on. And you're getting your Democrat colleagues, including the Hamas caucus, on the record. Are you not? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's part of what we have to do. I mean, first of all, we're introducing the bill because we hope it will pass. Mm -hmm. And hopefully President Biden will relent. But um, we have to make sure that it's very clear to the American people of, number one, what the issue is, that this is the undermining of America. And the second thing is, who stands with them? And as you said, the Hamas caucus has made it very clear They sure don't stand with America, especially when you have two of them that come from New York City and they're calling for unlimited number of people to come in. And their mayor, I mean, he's got to be scratching his head. Hold it. What are you guys talking about? It's bad enough. The southern border. Now you want to bring in a million refugees from the Middle East from a place that is that is so unstable. You're just crazy. Well, I'm in New York, so pray for me, Congressman, but I can tell you, you are exactly right. But none of these Democrats, I mean, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, they they complain about this. They're trying to, to change certain policies within the city or the state that they can to deal with this influx, but they never really speak out because this is Democrat policy and it's about a much bigger agenda. Um Let's talk, Congressman, if we can, about this next $100 billion aid package uh, that Biden wants, most of which will go on to Ukraine. Uh, So they're tying it to the conflict in the Middle East. Um, A a portion of it ostensibly will go to Israel, portion of it ostensibly to the border. But of course, that's geared toward hiring more people to process these illegals coming in. Um, First of all, where are you on this $100 billion aid package? And secondly, I mean, I know you understand this is enough spending. We have to draw a line and we cannot go on like this. So talk to us about where you are in the spending bill, but also where we are uh, in the House and as a country on the overall government spending process, because as I understand it, you guys have until November 17th uh, to come up with a plan to fund the government. Otherwise, we face a shutdown. A couple thoughts. First of all, what was the speaker... um, the speaker debate about back in January, four days, 15 votes. It was about having single, one of the things was single subject bills. These should be separated, aid to Israel, aid to Ukraine, the southern border. They should all be dealt with as separate issues. And that's number one. Number two, it does not take money for the southern border. It just takes implementing the policies and the will to do that to secure our southern border. Now, if you want to hire some more Border Patrol agents, that type of thing, okay, great. But otherwise, it does not take money. And that's what I've been emphasizing in our conference, Monica, is that don't buy this notion that you have to spend more money more money on the southern border. It just requires the will to do it. In fact, 
If you begin to make people have asylum claims um, outside of the United States of America, you're going to see the flow of people coming from around the world slow down because they're going to get the message that there's a stop sign at the southern border. So you're not going to leave, uh, need more money. Final thing I'd say in regards to this, there has to be pay force for all this stuff. No more additional money. There has to be pay for us for anything that we're funding like this. Well, of course, you know, all of this is moot until we have a speaker. And we're talking to you on Tuesday morning. Uh, this show is going to go live this afternoon. So by the time this show airs live, maybe we will have a speaker. What has this whole process been like? And I know we've only got a couple more minutes with you because you have to go and vote on this. What's this whole process been like and what do you expect to happen here yeah uh so i did not uh, agree with the removal of speaker mccarthy but having said that we have to move on because this isn't about us this is about the american people and so there's a process that's laid out i know there's been a lot of hand-wringing and people use the term chaos and you know this is a crisis and things like that it's not there's only a few crises i believe uh currently before us one is the southern border the other is what is happening in israel but um, we just need to work through the process and then let's get to a speaker. But I think the important thing is, as I alluded to earlier, is we need to keep the rules in place that were in place back in January, that there'll be 72 hours to read. Um, review bills, that there will not be Christmas tree bills. We need to keep those things in place because that was all about transparency for the American people. And I think what we need to be focused on, Monica, is not so much the personalities that are involved or who is running. We need to be focused on the policy wins that we hope to get for the American people. We should be thinking about what is best on the policy front for the American people as we choose our next speaker. And hopefully we're going to get that done this week. Well, we need a speaker to fund the government. Are you in our final minute here or so with you, Congressman? Are you optimistic that we are going to get a speaker? And then what about this government uh, funding deadline? Are you optimistic that you guys can reach that, reach an agreement as well on that? Well, I'm an optimist by nature, so I'm expecting that we're going to be able to get it done, but we will see. And then, yeah, we just need to finish the appropriations process. What a lot of the American people don't realize is that we've passed four major appropriations bills that does about funds about 75 percent of the government. Mm -hmm. And that's just waiting for the Senate. The Senate hasn't done any of that. In spite of all that's been going on in the House, we've actually gotten a lot of stuff done, including Department of Defense, where we've authorized an additional three point three billion dollars for Israel. That's sitting over at the Senate at this point. So hopefully we can get it done. Let's move on and think about what is best for the American people. Fiscal responsibility, get back to energy independence and let's secure the southern border. Yes, <laughs> those are the huge priorities. We talk about everybody else's border and everybody else's national security, but we're not focused on ours. I know you are, Congressman, so we really appreciate you and your America First fight. And we will be watching the House of Representatives very closely in the days ahead. We appreciate your time and your friendship, Congressman. Thank you so much. Good to join you, Monica.
As always, thank you, Congressman Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin. Follow him on Twitter at RepTiffany and at TomTiffanyWI. Wow, what another great show in the can. Am I right, guys? Thank you so much for being here, as always. Please make sure that you tell all of your family and friends, colleagues, everybody you know, the person at uh, at the grocery store, anybody you know about the Monica Crowley podcast, because you do not want to miss out on all of the important news and analysis that we bring to you. Appreciate you guys so much. Have a very good, safe start to your week. And I will see you right back here on Thursday with Brett Baer. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bahakel Entertainment, LLC.